going to continue in the thoughts uh, that we began sharing last week. And if you were around last week, you'll know that uh, we began a, a mini-series of thoughts uh, that I've entitled, What to Do in a Cost of Living Crisis. What to do in a cost of living crisis. And we made the point that actually a message about finances is relative to each and every single one of us, whether you find yourself struggling right now or not. Because as we run this race of faith that we've been talking about over the last um, matter of months, the reality is we need to know how to handle our finances and we need to understand kingdom economics as we run the race of faith. Now, last week we began uh, by spending time outlining some of the current situation that we find ourselves in as a nation. I'm not going to do that again uh, this morning, but you may remember that we had the, the headlines up and we talked about the reality that there's not a lot of good news out there right now. In fact, there's a lot of bad news concerning so many different facets of the cost of living. And um, I'd encourage you, if you weren't around last week, to make sure that you catch up uh, with that message, because we were talking on the truth that when you understand God to be your provider, that you don't need to worry like unbelievers, but you can actually go in the direction of trust. Amen. We talked a lot about fear and anxiety and worry in this moment versus trust. And um, that's very much oversimplifying all that we looked at uh, during that time last week. So I'd encourage you, as I said, to listen to it via the Family Church app, or you can type Family Church Haven't into Spotify and find all the messages on there. But that's the truth, that it's only when we see God as our provider, it's only when we see God as Jehovah Jireh, as we looked at last week, that we will be set free from worry concerning our finances. Remember we said last week that if God was Jehovah Jireh in, in Genesis chapter 2, then he remains Jehovah Jireh today. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? That as we talked about last week, interest rates rise. Gas prices rise. Fuel prices rise. They're always changing. Your, your expectation of your job or the job certainty that you have is constantly changing, yet our God does not change. And so we began to outline some of that last week. But here was a key point that we began to drill down on, and it's going to come up on the screen again this morning. That if we want to live under God's blessing and protection, we need to first be willing to live according to his instruction. Yes, we want to live under his protection. Yes, of course, we want to live under his blessing. But actually, we need to first be willing to live according to his instructions. And the Bible sets out a number of kingdom principles when it comes to how to handle our finances. So last week we looked at tithing and we did that first intentionally because we believe that tithing is all about putting God first in the area of your finances. And I want to thank you for um, your feedback last week. So many great conversations that we had off the back of that. But today I want to open up some questions that we just loosely touched upon last week. And then I want to look at a specific topic of stewardship. And we're going to come back to that word in just a moment. But before we do, Let's look at some of the questions we posed last week. One of those was this. Do we ultimately trust in God or do we trust in our finances? These are some of the questions we began to grapple with last week. Here's another one. Do I view what I have as mine or do I view it as a blessing from God? Another way of asking that. Do I view myself as an owner or a steward of what God has blessed me with? And I want to remind us of those questions because sadly it's when we live according to the world's way of handling finances, that we live with a clenched fist mentality. 
It's when we view ourselves as an owner. Everything I have is mine and I made it and it all comes to me. We live with a clenched fist mentality and that's when we'll allow money to dictate the way that we live. That's when we'll choose to worry about these things because money begins to become our God. That's when our trust is located and ultimately we begin to worship finance and not our God. Let's look at some verses on that. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. We looked at the words following this last week when Jesus spoke on the issue of worry. But in verse 24, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, the New King James Version puts it this way, you cannot serve God and serve mammon. That word mammon speaks of the spirit of serving and loving money. So Jesus is clear here, right? That you cannot do the two at the same time. You cannot be serving God and actually be besotted and enthralled by money. That's why he says in Mark chapter 4, verse 19, and the words aren't going to come up on the screen, but Jesus lists the deceitfulness of wealth as one of the things that stops the word of God from being fruitful in a person's life when he's talking about the parable of a sower. And sadly, as a pastor, I've seen this so many times that money becomes people's God. Money becomes people's security. Money is what they're building upon. And they've been drawn away from their pursuit of God by their pursuit of wealth. Their career has become more important than their God. All of a sudden, their desire for things becomes before their desire for God. Now, understand what I'm not saying and what I am saying this morning. I'm not saying money is evil, stay away from money. Money is a blessing that God has given us to manage and to resource, and we're going to look at that in a moment. But the love of money is evil. You say, well, where does that say that in the Bible? Thank you for asking. Let's look at that. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, you walked right into that. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and they have pierced themselves with many sorrows. 1 Timothy 6 verse 70 to 19, a bit further on, he says, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. So you may be listening to that and instantly you think, well, that doesn't apply to me because it says, teach those who are rich in this world. So I am certainly not rich. Pastor, you should see my bank. I am certainly not rich yet. The reality is that in the context of a world, you are. But if we talk about teach those who are rich in this world, do you know statistics, and you've no doubt heard this before, say that if you've got any amount of money in a bank account, even if it's £2, if you've got any amount of money in your wallet or a card with any amount of money on in your wallet, and if you've got some spare change loose somewhere in a dish somewhere in your kitchen or wherever it might be, even if it's 5p, then those three things combined, you are in the top 8% of the world's richest people. So this applies to us in this moment. He says, teach them not to trust in their money. We looked at that last week because it's so unreliable. Again, we talked about that last week. They should instead trust their God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Okay, so Paul says to Timothy, tell these people 
not to trust in their money. It's so unreliable. Don't live their lives according to finance because it's so unreliable. But trust in their God. And then he begins to talk about how to use finance. And this is where we begin to speak about stewardship. And we're going to be quite practical um, this morning off the back of last week where it was more theological. I want to be quite practical as we talk about stewardship this morning. Now, stewardship is not a word that you maybe hear very often. It's not a word that you use in everyday language. But stewardship essentially means this. It's the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Let me say that again for those taking notes. It's the careful and responsible management of, of something entrusted to one's care. So this comes back to the thought that we spoke of last week, that everything we have first comes from the hand of God. Amen? Everything that we have, everything that is in our life. Here's what the Bible says on this. Psalm 24 verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything within it. The world and all its people belong to him. Paul echoed that in a letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 10, 26, it says, For the earth is the Lord's and everything within it. Deuteronomy 8, verses 10 to 18. Now, we looked at verses 17 and 18 last week, but I want us to look at the whole passage in the context as we speak about stewardship today. It says, When you have eaten, this is to the Israelite people, When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given to you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and you are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He was the one who led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He was the one who brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So remember what we said last week, that so many people walk around life saying that they are self-made. We talked about the fact that there are self-made millionaires out there. But many other people, even if they're not millionaires, would say, well, I'm self-made. I, I worked hard to get through college and through university and do all of that kind of stuff. And what I'm not doing is taking away from hard work. I applaud all of that. But here's the reality. No one in this room is self-made. No one in this room has made it by themselves. Because if God hadn't given you breath in your body this morning, you wouldn't even be alive you wouldn't be here you wouldn't have the ability to respond to sing to be here if unless God gave you breath in your body this morning you would not be alive no one in this room is self-made it is God who gives us the ability to walk forward in life and to produce wealth amen do we agree with that this morning now there's many more verses we could look at but we get the point we are stewards of what God has given us now that's true of our whole lives. But when I look at my life, I see that I've been given so much to steward and I'm responsible for how I use the things that God has given to me. Time. God has given me time 
to steward in life. However long we get on this earth, each day is made up of time, but we have the ability to steward. Now, we can use time effectively. We can invest time in the way that we live, or else we can waste a whole load of time. It's our choice how we choose to steward things. We are each given a body to steward. And the reality is we know that it's not about the body, that this is just a carrier while we're on this earth and the spirit goes to be with the Lord. We understand that, but the reality is that in the time that we are alive, that God has given us a body to steward. Now, as you can see, I'm stewarding mine incredibly well. Um, now, if you actually saw my diet and everything, you'd see that actually there's some work. On it. And I'm challenged. Am I stewarding the things that God has given me to effectively? God has given us relationships to steward, family to steward. If you've got kids, guess what? They're not yours, they're God's. Now, sometimes I wish God would step in and actually deal with the teenage <laughs> angst in our house. And I pray that he would and appear and deal with that. Uh, but at that point, God says, no, I've given them to you to steward you, deal with it. But our, our family are there to, to steward. Our, our friendships are there to steward. We've been given spiritual gifts that the Bible says we're not to waste. We're to steward and to use the spiritual gifts that God has given to each of us. For me, I've been entrusted with a church community, and I'll have to give account for how I led the people of God with what God had given me. But then there's a section of our life called money. And as I said last week, when you speak of money, it gets very quiet in church. But that's the reality, that we have been given a section of our life called finance or money. And I, like you, have the choice of how I handle my finances. Now, I could choose to handle them in the way the world does, which I see leads to a whole lot of greed, competition, anxiety, fear, all the stuff that we spoke of last week, or else I can choose to live and handle my finances in the way the kingdom of God teaches me to handle my finances, which as I look at leads to protection, blessing and freedom over every area of my life. So the first step is acknowledging that we are stewards, not owners. That's why I've banged on about it over the last couple of weeks, because this has to be our foundational understanding and revelation as we handle our finances. Everything comes from the hand of God, and we have been entrusted with what he has given to us to use how he sees fit. Now, here's the second step, and we're going to move on to some more practical stuff. Okay, if we are stewards, how do we use what God has given to us to manage? Because each and every single one of us have an inflow into our lives, maybe on a, on a monthly basis. You maybe have a job which brings in an income and an inflow into your life. You maybe work two or three jobs in order to bring an income into your home. For others, it may be that it's your pension that provides for you in that moment. For other people, it may be benefits from the government that there's an inflow into your life. Others, it's savings. For some, it may be an inheritance that you received and there's an inflow into your life. And as we've been saying throughout, we don't look at the natural things. We look to the hand behind those things, Jehovah Jireh. Everything we comes, have comes from the hand of God. But we all have this coming into our lives, maybe each month. And that may be stable for some of you. That may look very different, dependent on shift patterns for others of you. But the question is, what do we do with what comes into our life? So I want to teach some practical things concerning biblical stewardship. Now, number one, the first thing is we tithe. And I'm not going to go over that again this morning because the recording's available and you can listen to that from last week. But as kingdom people, we put God first in our finances. And I love the conversations I had with people last week where they said, you know what, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to begin somewhere and trust God for the journey. And I shared last week a lot of mine and Kirsty's journey with that. The second thing 
is this, we budget. I want to encourage you, if we're going to be wise stewards, we budget. Now, you may say, well, that, that's very worldly. You know, it's Martin Lewis who invented budgeting or whoever you want to term it. No, 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 actually, budgeting is in the Bible. Just like every modern-day science thing is out there now, we're like, wow, it's amazing. I'm like, just read your Bible. It's in there. Budgeting is in the Bible. Proverbs 27, verse 23. And this is used two ways very often. It's used pastorally in some ways. But there's also a context of and what you have been entrusted with. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. Now you're like, I have no flocks, I have no herds. Now we need to understand, obviously, the context and the time in which it was written. There was this understanding that actually that a lot of their finance and a lot of their assets were tied up in their livestock. And so here we have this instruction from Proverbs to know the state of your flocks. Now, I don't believe we've got any farmers. If you're a farmer here, just give me a wave this morning. Okay. No, we've got no farmer. Are you a farmer? Okay, we have one part-time half kind of farmer <laughs> who also happens to be a physio the rest of her time. But <laughs> go and ask her. I don't know how the two combine, but I'm interested now. But listen, the rest of us, we have this understanding that we don't have sheep or livestock. So today that translation would be, dil- be diligent to know the state of your finances. Know where the money that you have is going each month. So if you ever find yourself saying, I I just don't know where it goes each month. It just seems to to disappear. It's just like I have some come in and then it just, I don't know where it all goes. I want to encourage you. It's a biblical thing to budget, to be a wise steward. Now your response may be, I don't have a clue where to even start with that. The good news is there's so many free things available now and apps and uh, spreadsheets you can download. It may look as simple as a, a piece of paper and a pen. Ask somebody within the church community, can you help me? Do you know how I could start to budget well? And for others of you who say, well, you know what? I, I don't need to budget because I always have a surplus at the end of a month, so it doesn't really matter. My challenge to you would be this, that if you were to budget, maybe you could be even better at some of the things that we're going to come on to in a moment. The third thing is this, be intentional in your spending. Be intentional. Know the state of your flock. Know the state of your fund. Be intentional about how you, because again, when we understand that this is what God has entrusted us with, we don't just fritter away. We become intentional in our spending. Now, that may require self-control and patience. Self-control at times to hold back. Patience to wait. And again, you may say, well, I can't do that. Other people are wired that way. I cannot do that. My response to you is, yes, you can. It's in the Bible. Galatians, and then you're not arguing with me, you're arguing with the Bible. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. What's next? Patience. There it is. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So absolutely you can have patience and self-control when you let the Holy Spirit be in charge. You say, well, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. Come to us afterwards. We'll pray for you. You will be. By the time you leave this place, you'll be full of patience and self-control. Now, here's the reality. You require the Holy Spirit. You may also need other people to help you be accountable in being deliberate about your spending. If spending is an actual issue, in your life and you want to be a better steward and can I also say this at this point can I just be really honest and encourage those who are married in this place those who are long-term relationships can I encourage you to communicate about your finances because 
as Kirsty and I pastor and we help people with marriage difficulties, one of the top three things that always comes up concerning marital strife is finances. The other two being sex life, the other one being how you raise your children. Those are the three things, time and time again, when you get rid of all the, the stuff on the surface and you get down to the roots of it, very often it will be one of those three things, and often finance is an issue in a marriage. So communication is key. Be deliberate and intentional in your spending. Now again, that may mean at times that you have to hold back on what you want because in this moment, especially in this moment we're in right now, maybe actually you need to focus in on what you need and not on what you want. Be intentional about your spending. Number four, be wise about debt. Be wise about debt. Now you may say, well, hang on, this feels very like worldly right now. No, no, this is biblical principles that are within them that enable us to steward well what God has given to us. And in a world that preaches you can have what you want and you can have it now, consumerism has never been so rife. Debt has never been so high. Since the late 1980s, we live in a credit society where personal debt is spiraling out of all control. And Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Now, not all debt is bad, and we'll come on to that in a moment, but if you've ever had a situation where you are crippled by debt, and you may be in this situation right now, you know what it's like at the end of each month to feel like you are slave to the person or the company or the financial book that you owe the money to. Many of you may know what it's like to have sleepless nights where you're thinking, how on earth am I going to get this all together in order to pay back, and how am I going to get out of the hole that I find myself in? We become a slave to the one who has lent to us. So again, can I encourage you, if we're going to be wise stewards, then we need to think before taking on more debt, especially with depreciating assets, things that go down in value as opposed to appreciating assets, things like uh, a mortgage where, and a house where we may get a mortgage for. So seek wisdom. Okay, one of the things I do before I take on any amount of debt, because some debt is manageable and, and you're able to manage it and it's good for different reasons. One of the things that I do is I pray, God, what do you think about the debt that I'm going to be taking on? Because God wants to be involved in your financial decisions. Do you know that? But God's not just there to give you a goosebump on a Sunday morning. God is there to give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit is a source of wisdom. And so the book of James says, when we lack wisdom, we go before God and he gives us his wisdom not the wisdom of this world, but his wisdom as to how to move forward. Also, ask wise people in your life. If you don't have any wise people in your life, you need to get better friends. Ask wise people in your life about some of the debt that you're going to take. They may see a different way. They may see a different way forward without taking on more debt upon your life. Be intentional about your spending. Be wise about debt. The next one is this. Be diligent in saving. Now, let me be clear on something. Saving does not replace faith. Because sometimes people will go down the direction of putting more trust and faith in their savings than they do in God. So if you start being diligent in saving, great. But don't at the same time make the mistake of putting your trust in your savings. Keep your eye on the source. Keep remembering Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides and gives you the power to get wealth. But, saying all that, saving reflects responsible stewardship over what God has provided. A couple of Proverbs for you. Proverbs 21, verse 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I mean, that's a bit 
close to the bone, isn't it? but blunt. But it says it's foolish if we just spend all the time, everything that comes into our lives. Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 8. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. If you thought the last one wasn't blunt enough, take a lesson from the ants. Now, we've got ants that we're trying to kill outside of our home who are trying to come in. We're poisoning them, and hopefully I think we are winning the battle. I'll update you next week. But we're trying to kill. Apparently, I'm going to take a lesson from them because when I learn from their ways, I'll become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. So we have this concept of working for an inflow and income, but then saving some of what comes in for later seasons. It says there, working hard in the summer gathering food for the winter, for a different season. Now at this point, if you're not already annoyed and offended enough that we've spoken about finances for two weeks, you may be in a place where you're saying, are you kidding me? Like, how on earth can I save? Do you want to see my finance? How on earth can I save anything right now? You should see the state of my finances. And here's what I want to say to you. It's not about the amount. It's about the principle. So it may be that in that moment, you are saving a couple of pounds in a month. It may feel like nothing, but you are starting a change that is a principle. It may look like five pounds a month that you're pulling aside and say, I am not going to spend this this month, and I'm going to save and be wise steward of what God has given to me. Why? Because the Bible says, he who is faithful with a little will be entrusted with more. That when we are wise stewards of what we have in our hand right now, the Bible makes it clear that we'll be entrusted with more in our hand to steward effectively again. Because the reality is 99.9% of the time, your finances and the state of your finances will not change overnight. Right? Unless you happen to win the lottery, unless you get a letter from, I don't know, great, I shouldn't say great Uncle Bulgaria. Is he a Womble? Yeah, Okay. (laughs) Well, if you get that, that probably is junk mail, but a great uncle, somebody who's in Canada, who's died, who you never knew of, and you've been entrusted with some land and you're now filthy rich. Unless that happens, then the reality is things don't change overnight. There's a journey. But what you begin now can make a difference tomorrow. And what you choose to do in this moment will make a difference to your future. So the Bible teaches us we put God first, we tithe, but then we also budget. We are intentional in our spending. We're wise about debt. We're diligent in saving. And then all of that enables us to do this, to live generously. The Bible calls us to live generously. Now this, especially in a time of a cost of living crisis, flies in the face of everything the world would teach you about how to handle finances. It flies in the face of it, because as I said last week, we're taught financial principles in the world that looks like this. Clenched fist. I have what I have and everything I have is mine, and yet the kingdom of God teaches kingdom economics that looks more like an open hand. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 11 verse 24, give freely and become more wealthy. You won't hear Martin Lewis saying that. I guarantee you that. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The message paraphrase puts it this way. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Listen, I'll be honest. I've done a journey in my life from being so incredibly stingy to living a life and trying to live a life of generosity. And I can tell you that my life, not, not just financial, my life has increased as I've experienced the joy of what it is to live with generosity and not with stinginess. But that's why all that we've looked at before that 
is so important. Because you may be a generous person. You may have a generous heart. You may have generous intentions. But actually, unless you're somebody who's intentional in your spending, wise about debt and diligent in saving, then you won't have any resource to be generous with. So let me ask you today. Are you choosing to be generous in a stingy world? Are you choosing to go against the grain of this world? Or are you copying the customs and behavior of the world around you? Because in the kingdom of God, the world of a generous grows ever larger. Okay, time's going. Is this helpful this morning? Is this useful? Let, let me end with this, and George, you can come up. We're going to bring this to a close, and we're going to end today but just by praying and just by releasing God's peace and just for some people to make a decision to go in the direction of trust and not fear and anxiety in this season. We're also going to pray for people just to make decisions in this moment. As I said last week, every, every decision is yours. It's your choice. But we can make some decisions today. But before I do any of that, I just want to outline one more thing. And I really felt as I was preparing, I finished the message and I thought, okay, I'm done. And as I wrapped up my notes, I thought, okay, this is a message. Is it? And I felt just to do one more thing, and, and that is this, just to highlight to any single person here that before you do any of what we've spoken about today, some of you may need to do this. You may need to seek help. You may need to seek help in the area of your finances. And I really felt this firmly as we came to this morning as I was preparing, but I, I wanna finish by speaking directly to anybody here this morning who you may be in trouble financially right now. And you've not spoken to anybody about it because do you know what the reality is? There's a huge amount of shame attached to huge levels of debt. There's shame that comes with that. And so I really felt that, and I, I believe that God had us not only speak this mini two-part series to set people free in the area of their finances, to help people understand tithing and kingdom principles, all that is good, but I also believe there was another reason that I hadn't seen at first and that was that God wanted to help some people be set free this morning from financial bondage so if that's you here's what I want you to do I can ask you to stand up or anything like I want you to at some point go speak to somebody please 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 go speak to somebody I've known too many people who did things because of the debt and the finances that they were in and didn't reach out for help can I encourage you speak to somebody speak to a friend speak to your connect group leader come and speak to to Kirsty and I anything that you share with us will be shared in complete and absolute privacy but I really wanted to say you know the, the enemy operates best in shadows in darkness in secrecy in shame and so maybe just maybe the best thing that could come out of this series is somebody who's in this place could actually be set free by beginning to be honest honest with themselves and honest with somebody that they trust and they love and they know will walk them through that season so if at the end of this two-part series i hope that it's helped you i hope it's it's restored trust and you know where your provision comes from but if you've been in a situation where you have just been inwardly screaming you just about dragged yourself back here after last week or you're here and you didn't know what we were talking about but you've just been inwardly screaming because you thought if only you knew please speak to somebody because God wants you experiencing freedom God wants you experience his blessing but there's going to be a journey to that let's pray 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you that your world, your word supersedes the wisdom of this world. Lord, I thank you that you have given us this so the word of God would reveal who you are, Jesus, in the Old Testament and the New. It would be like a mirror to us as to who we are as a new creation. It would teach us so much about worship and all those things, but also that your word would be wisdom in our life, practical daily wisdom in how to handle our resources and this area of our life called finances. And Lord, again today I pray that there would be no offense from anything that's been shared, but there would just be changes that we begin to make. Lord, that we would walk with your wisdom, that we would walk under your instruction in order to experience the blessing and protection that your word says is available to us. And Lord, I thank you that decisions made over these last two weeks are actually going to set people up for their future, where they experience being debt-free, where they experience that this protection upon what remains with us having honoured you first. Lord, I pray for blessing upon blessing so that we can be people who are generous, not only in heart and nature, but physically and practically generous in the way that we support other people. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Lord, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that as we're in this season where the media will just bombard us with fear and anxiety, Lord, that we would have the strength and the self-control to turn off the television when it needs turning off, to, to, to stop scrolling through just bad news when we need to stop scrolling. But Lord, that we would walk according to your word and we would be people who are free from worry, free from anxiety, knowing that it is you who is our provider. Thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Jireh in our lives and Lord I just pray for anybody here today who is in a season of desperation Lord I thank you that you see them you are El Roy you are the God who sees and Lord I pray that they would have the strength and the courage to open up and be honest with somebody in this church community that would walk them through and that you would get all the glory as they go from a place of restriction to a place of freedom Lord, you said, and you've reminded us constantly over this past year, that we're to run the race and that nothing is to entangle us, nothing is to hold us back. And so, Lord, I pray for any single person here who worry and anxiety and debt is holding them back, is crippling them in their walk with you and their ability to run the race with freedom. Lord, I thank you that you are going to produce a turnaround in their lives. Lord, I thank you that they are going to go from strength to strength in all areas of our life. For your glory we pray. In your mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, give God glory this morning.